This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Okay, welcome to the uh, to Reimagine Law, our, our podcast series uh, looking to bring to life the different careers, entry points, and ways that you can get into the legal profession. This is one of a, a number of podcasts that we are producing um, with our partners at CMS. Uh, and a really big thank you to CMS, a really important supporter for the Reimagine Law podcast series. This podcast today has a specific focus on career changes, uh, uh, but all about the route uh, onto and becoming a solicitor. So whether that's through the training contract route or the fast growing and exciting solicitor apprenticeship route. So we want to bring to life the, the uh, you don't have to come straight into law from school or uni, but you can access your, uh, it in lots of different ways. And we're gonna hear about different pathways that individuals have taken. We've got three fantastic contributors today, each with a very different journey. Uh, and they're gonna start by sharing a little bit about their uh, life to date and why they chose to take the route they have chosen. So I'm now going to hand over and start with you, Nettie. Hello, thank you, Simon. Thanks for inviting me on to speak. Um, well, so I'm not the solicitor apprentice on the panel today. I've taken what's known as the more traditional route and I'm doing a training contract at the firm. Um, and my journey to this point has been quite long and winding. So I'll try and give you the short version. Um, I first thought of a legal career when I graduated for my undergraduate degree, but that was more than 20 years ago. Um, I went on to have a family. I've got two daughters. I was a full-time mum and carer for over 10 years because my younger daughter had autism and complex needs. Um, I ended up having to teach myself everything that I needed to know about her condition, but also about the legal framework surrounding her educational provision. And what that ended up meaning was that I challenged my local authority to fund me to deliver her education myself. So I basically ran a school for one person out of my home. Um, with the funding, I was able to employ a team of 18 people. Um, so I oversaw the whole delivery of her education for six years. Um, and then by the time she was ready to go to school, I was finding it really difficult to actually get a job because no one wanted to employ me as I was just a mum, in inverted commas, um, despite all the skills I'd learned along the way. So I ended up just kind of accidentally falling into a line of work that was around advising other parents on special educational needs. Um, and I stayed there for five years, still dreaming about a legal career, um, but worrying that I'd left it too late. Um, but I'm glad to say I finally bit the bullet five years ago and undertook a, a law degree, did the LPC, got the training contract offer from CMS. And here I am, I just started two months ago. And Nettie, that was such an inspiring uh, uh, story. So thank you so much for uh, uh, for, for sharing uh, that. Ross, what about you? Yeah, hi, uh, I'm Ross. Uh, so thank you for having me on the podcast as well. Um, so I'm a third year apprentice at the firm. Um, and I originally started off doing a degree in forensic science um, because I was very interested in it. Um, and it utilized a lot of the skills that I get really excited by using. So like analyzing problems and researching them and coming up with creative solutions to them. Quite a lot of things also used in law. 
And uh, when I sort of got to the end of that degree, I realized that the roles that were available to me didn't really utilize those skills. Um, they were really process driven. And um, I just knew that if I if I went into that role, it, it wasn't going to be something that I enjoyed. Um, so I moved down to London as soon as I graduated. Um, and I did really like law and we did a couple of law modules, um, which I really enjoyed and I, I felt really passionate about um, while studying them. Uh, but I knew law was going to be a huge commitment and I didn't want to just jump into it without thinking first. So instead, I took some time just to sort of settle all my thoughts and I became cabin crew. Thankfully, I did dodge the pandemic though. But yeah, I spent a year sort of jet setting around the world, absorbing all these different experiences and cultures from lots of different places um, and developing a lot of skills that I didn't realize were going to be really helpful in law as well. Um, and so at the end of that year, I decided to try and get into law and I started by becoming a secretary at CMS um, and then was very quickly moved up to a PA. Um, and advised that if I wanted to get into law, I should go into the apprenticeship program. Um, as you know, with the discussions with our early talent team at CMS, uh, they sort of recommended that that would be the best approach for me because I, I learn much better practically um, than sort of doing the theory separate to the practical. Um, and yeah, I got the role and I've been at it ever since. So thank you very much, Ross, for, for sharing that journey. That was, yeah, it's really interesting to hear that. And finally, Olivia, so tell us a bit about your your journey. Hi, uh, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so I initially went to medical school after finishing sixth form. I was just always quite good at science um, and I really enjoyed it. And I think when you're growing up and you're really good at science and you clearly enjoy it, that's something that you kind of gradually get nudged into by your teachers and your peers um and it's sort of what I always thought I was going to do always what I wanted to do um so yeah I went to medical school and one of that I absolutely loved it especially in the first year because that was purely academic but after that it becomes more practical and as you progress through you do more and more placement and less and less study and I just found myself really not enjoying that element as I actually really enjoyed the medical ethics and law part of the course. And those were the sections in the examinations, which I got my highest marks in. And I started to think, actually, maybe being a doctor isn't right for me because I don't actually enjoy the day-to-day -day job. Um, and I didn't really see myself in a research career because I do really like interacting with people. I like to see a tangible results in the work that I'm doing that actually I can see affecting real life situations in the present. Um, so I sort of thought about it and decided on law, but knew that getting a training contract would be really, really hard. Um, and especially for a really scientific background, um, and not necessarily having much work experience in law, I thought I'd probably struggle even more. And that's sort of when I stumbled upon the apprenticeship. And to be honest, I decided to apply for it on a whim, thinking that I was just never going to get into a firm like CMS. It's just... I still pinch myself now that I'm here. Um, but I just thought the extra experience, I'd be more independent. I wouldn't be a student for an excessively long time after already having some of my like educational funding years through medical school. 
Um, I thought it'd make me more competitive when I qualify and it gives you time to build more connections and networks so that when you do qualify, you've already got all those people around you who know you and you can kind of start building your brand around that. Um, so I thought it was a really logical thing to do, applied and then I got it and off I was. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Libby. And yeah, great. see what happens when you just try something and give it a go yep. and, and don't uh, and don't worry too much. You just uh, you just give it a go. So um, thank you. Uh, and again, really interesting to hear about your uh, uh, your journey. I want to change tack now and just talk about uh, um, uh, in the uh, where you are now and the, the support that you've needed to have, because you've all had different experiences um to, to get you to where you are now I'm, I'm really keen to understand a bit more about what that support looked like um and and how it kind of helped you to to progress so Ross do you want to kick off first on that one um yeah absolutely um I think generally speaking career changers tend to need less hands-on support um we most of us have already had some sort of office experience or um, certainly in my case, I'd, I'd had a lot of office experience already. So a lot of the more sort of administrative parts of the early stages of my role, I already sort of knew, especially with being a secretary and a PA, I already knew all the firm's systems um, very well. Um, so what I really needed was more sort of autonomy. Um, and that really helped me to drive a lot faster um, in developing my skills. Really, the, the main thing that I needed support with was the actual law, because on the apprenticeship program, we haven't done a law degree um, and we're doing that as we're going. So really, um, it's more sort of a, go find the information, tell me what you've got, and then we'll tell you if it's right or if you need to look somewhere else. And that is sort of the, the best learning uh, for me anyway, and I think for a lot of career changers, I think that's largely as well because with a bit of age and experience comes lack of embarrassment. <laughs> um, you already, you're like perfectly capable of admitting that you don't know something. Um, and I think to a lot of supervisors and, uh, you know, people that you'll be working with, that is a really powerful skill to have. Um, because it means that they trust you that you're not going to go off and do something wrong. And you'll actually come back to somebody when you need the help and know when you're out of your depth um, and ask for the help. And I think for me, that sort of developed a lot of trust with my supervisors and it meant I could pick up a lot of work much easier and quicker. Yeah, fantastic. And I think it's, it's so important having a confidence to know it's okay not to know and to ask. Very importantly. Olivia, what about you? Yeah, I definitely second a lot of what Ross has said, actually. You know, we do all start from scratch whether you're a career changer or not, because it's a whole new career. But I think we do tend to be able to pick things up a bit quicker. Um, and we have a little bit more of an understanding outside just the legal world. And that's really good to be able to apply that to whoever your client is, whatever the case is about, understanding the greater context of that case um, and what's going on in politics, infatuation, um, you know, business environments, that kind of thing. Um, but also definitely um, that lack of embarrassment and being ready to not compromise yourself um, or put your energy into necessarily wanting to fit in with the culture, but being a bit more comfortable in your own skin and actually 
using that to your own ability. Um, you know, I think my, what I needed the most help with was that medicine and, you know, coming from a hospital environment, is quite a different culture in some ways to an author, especially as my seat, my first seat was called Brooks. Um, it's like miles away from what it was like to work in hospital. And so most of the support I actually needed was really just about understanding what a corporate environment is and, and what's required of you in that setting and just fitting into the culture. So for me, most of my um, support was quite pastoral, but in terms of understanding the work and picking it up, I kind of feel I could do that a bit better because I've been using, you know, research sites and tools for a couple of years anyway. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think there's a real transferable skills thing there, really, isn't there? Uh, so there's other things that, that you needed. And Nettie, what about from your point of view? I'm, I'm not sure I've got much more to add to what's already been said. I completely agree with Ross and Olivia. I do think that coming in as a career changer with experience of other sectors, other industries, but also just the benefits of having worked within teams with different people, adapting to different working styles, all of those things uh, are useful to starting a legal career because they're all the same things that apply at CMS as they have in all our previous experiences. Um, and so I think possibly there is a slight um, reassurance, I think maybe for CMS, that the fact that we're coming in with that previous experience does mean that perhaps we can have a little bit more autonomy and we could take a little bit more responsibility than uh, we might otherwise do. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Again, just reinforcing these previous experiences that we had, they're all valuable and they all help us to be uh, uh, better and better at, uh, at what we do. Okay, I'm now going to go into some slightly more quick fire ones, uh, some, some questions for you. So each of you will have come and some of you started to talk about this already with kind of previous skills and experience. I'm really keen to understand and build a little bit more on what some of you have touched on already about what they were and, and how they benefited you. So uh, Ross, do you want to Give a couple of snapshots from your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in the service industry and like customer facing things. So that definitely gave skills in, you know, interacting with people, especially with my times being cabin crew, lots of different cultures and respecting and interacting and understanding all of those. Um, which, you know, also then feeds into written and verbal communication. Um, I also as I said before, I have a degree in forensics, which gave me sort of like a baseline of legal knowledge. Um, but more importantly, I think gave me the ability to analyze problems and research them without jumping into assumptions and bias. That is really, really helpful in a disputes context because you can actually understand the whole of the problem before you then start thinking, oh, maybe this will work, maybe that will work and jumping to, to conclusions of just like, oh, the law says this, so it's all going to be fine. It's not, you need to be fully aware of all these things before you give client advice. Thank you. Uh, and Olivia, what about for you? Um, so yeah, I think because Ross and I have a scientific background, we do have slightly more analytical research-based skills, which is definitely good for advisory work. Um, you know, in terms of coming from medicine, there's lots of similarities is, you know, you have a patient, you have a client, there's the SRA standards practice, there's the GMC guidelines for doctors. Um, so the ethical groundwork, um, communication with lots of different people and 
really just being quite research orientated in your approach to things. You know, we've not done literature-based subjects in the past. So putting together an argument, I will research a lot and get as much information as factual as possible rather than thinking about it in a more abstract way. And I think that's quite good. Brilliant. Thank you. And Nettie, what about from your perspective? I think you're going to talk about something that I feel very passionate about and is hugely valuable. So I'm building you up here. So Nettie, what's your ones? Thank you. Right, Simon, I think I'm going to split this into two. So I think in terms of my actual work, I worked as a special educational needs and disability advisor. And that meant working with a really wide, diverse group of people and vulnerable people. And I think the kinds of skills that were relevant to that type of work were empathy, interpersonal skills, flexibility in communication. And I really learned the importance and the privilege of being a trusted advisor. Um, that obviously, there are obvious parallels between that and the legal career. But the other thing I did want to talk about is being a parent. And I think that uh, a legal career, and particularly in commercial law and in big global firm like CMS, I think a lot of parents probably think that that's an unrealistic goal. I certainly did before I took the risk of applying. Um, but I just want to say that I also think there are really valuable skills that go into being a parent, and particularly a parent of a child with additional needs. Um, you're constantly juggling appointments. In my case, I was having to manage my younger daughter's countless hospital and therapeutic appointments alongside my other daughter's dance, swimming, music, brownies, all sorts of other activities that she was having and managing a team of 18 people in my home. I understand that my situation was probably slightly different to the typical parenting experience, but I do think all parents have certain skills like multitasking, organization, which are directly transferable to a commercial legal career. So I'd urge any parent out there who's thinking of career change, even if that career is transferred from being a full-time parent into law, that it is doable and I'm evidence of that. Uh, fantastic, Nettie. Uh, thank you. And as a parent, I absolutely relate to everything that you've uh, that you've just talked about there. So thank you for speaking so honestly about that. Penultimate key question now I want to pose of you. So confidence is hugely important in any role, in any aspect of life. Confidence is really important. You know, and as a career changer, you know, that's that's not an easy thing to do. It takes confidence to make that leap and do something different. You've got challenges like imposter syndrome. So it's it's not an easy thing to kind of wrap your arms around and, and demonstrate that confidence. So it'd be really good to hear a little bit about how you've each been able to 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 do that. So um Olivia, what about from your perspective? Yeah, so imposter syndrome is definitely very real. It's something that I definitely felt because I did come from a very different background um, and you have different working cultures. The ways of learning are slightly different, ways of working are slightly different. Your knowledge base coming into this is slightly different. I didn't do essay subjects at A-level either. So I've been doing purely scientific subjects for you know at least four years before doing this. Um, and so as you go in, because you're a complete beginner and you have no background in it, you do doubt that you're gonna fit in, have you made the right decision? Um, and really, the biggest part for me was just remembering my experience, remembering the fact that I wouldn't have got it if I wasn't capable because you've gone through a really hard application process in the first place, and they are expert at sourcing talent for these roles. Um, so confidence is really key. I think if you embrace your uniqueness and your different background, you can use it as 
a networking point um, to stand out and people remember you. And it's a bit of an interesting thing that people to, to take when they have a conversation with you. And, you know, I also think that just because you're leaving a past interest or passion, I still find medicine really interesting. It's something that I still want to learn about. I still want to somehow incorporate it into my way of working, whether that be through a practice area within the firm, as they do life science and medical sciences. Um, that's something you can do and you can still capitalize on that interest. And that actually is a really big benefit for you because of it's great for science to develop your interest in your niche because you're already interested in reading around the subject anyway. But it's also really beneficial for the firm that at an early stage, they could have people looking at law and their area of interest and how that practically relates. And they're having that experience from the very beginning of their career. Yeah, I think it's such a good point is uh, uh, all of us have past, right? Past experience, past experience. It's how we make the most of, of those in a, in a positive way. So that's such a good point. Thank you. Uh, Ross, what about you? Yeah, I think um, so. the key thing that stood out to me was um, a move from being sort of an expert or a more senior person in the area that you were in before to um, now becoming the most junior person in the firm and how that can be really daunting for people. It certainly was for me. I had been, you know, a PA for quite a while at the time and I, you know, knew my way around. I went from sort of being viewed as the person that you come to with everything to a person who the people were unsure if they could even handle, you know, putting together a bundle of documents. Like, and so that can be really hard on your confidence, I think. Um, and I certainly stressed out quite a lot when I first started thinking, oh, like nobody really sort of understands if I'm able to do things or not. And uh, that sort of very quickly spirals internally. I think if I could give uh, my past self some tips and any future apprentice some tips as well is just sort of chill out a little bit. Rationally, you know that you're new to the role and you're not meant to know everything yet. And it takes a really long time to build all the knowledge and skills. So you need to stop being so hard on yourself. And also to go in with a growth mindset. Um, get all the training you can, get feedback, uh, try to get a mix of positive and constructive, but especially positive feedback because that sort of not only lets you know that you're doing well, but it's affirmation that you deserve to be in the role and that you're doing your job successfully. And hopefully that sets aside the doubts that you might be feeling. Yeah, thank you. That, that inner voice is so important, what you tell yourself, right? Exactly. So important. Uh, and Nettie, what about you? Well, I'd say I'm a professional warrior, so Buster syndrome comes naturally to me. Um, I think I think what um, Olivia said is right, but it's important to remind yourself that pretty much everyone feels that at some point or another. So irrespective of everyone's journey to where they are now, everyone that's at our stage, i.e. not yet qualified, experiences that. So one, it's to normalize it and not to see it as something ir irrational, wrong or bad or whatever else we might choose to label it. But it's what we do with the feeling when it comes that I think is important. And then I would echo what Ross has already said about having a growth mindset that understands the fact that you are here to learn. It will get better. Everybody goes through this and comes out the other side and we're not likely to be any different because we were offered this opportunity because the firm saw something in us that they recognized previously. 
And so that's what we have to hang on to. That's what I try and tell myself when I'm having a particularly bad day. Yeah, nice one. I think absolutely. They've picked you, right? And they've picked you for a reason. They've seen stuff in you, even if sometimes we lose sight of it or or, or, or uh, uh, have a bit of a wobble about it. So I think that's a, a, that's a lovely point to make. We're going to move on to our final question. Um, uh, and this we always ask, we always want our, our contributors to, to give some kind of uh, uh, top tips or advice um, to, to finish up. So I'm, I'm going to start with you, Nettie, and I'm really keen to understand what advice would you give a career changer considering applying for either a solicitor, solicitor apprenticeship or a training contract? I'd say number one, do your research. It's obviously a valuable skill in law, but obviously if you're coming into it as a career changer, you'll want to know exactly what you're leaving behind and moving on to. So not do your research, know, know the industry, know the firms, know your own motivations and what you're looking for and how they match. Um, I would say the other thing that I would, but personally I, I had to consider, and I think if anyone else is a parent or who has had, um, you know, a longer career span, you will have to consider things like your finance, your finances you're likely to be making a financial sacrifice if you're leaving a, a, an established career and coming in as a, a junior. If you're a parent, if you've got children, you'll need to consider the impact of studying full-time, taking on arguably longer hours than you might have already been used to, and consider the impact that's going to have on your family and the people around you, because they're part of your journey too, and there's no point considering something as demanding as this without having your immediate loved ones fully on board um and i would say just really be absolutely crystal clear on your own motivations whatever they are um and it doesn't matter what other people think if your motivation is financial then know it and decide and have a plan if it's um you know intellectual stimulation then that's fine everyone has all their their, their own reasons i would just say as an individual just make sure you know yours and that you're clear about them before you start applying. Again, it's being true to yourself, isn't it? And it, it's your reason. It doesn't have to be anybody else's. It's your reason, because that's what will keep you kind of uh, uh, focused uh, to it. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think it's absolutely right. Ross, what about you? Yeah, I think um, definitely I agree with everything Nettie's just said there. Um, those are all fantastic points. I think um, the thing I would build on is for the purposes of, your application if, if you're a career changer that's going to apply for this is that these skills are your biggest strength everybody that's coming in has the appropriate level of qualifications um otherwise you wouldn't get you wouldn't be able to submit the application so really sort of break down and examine what it is that you bring to the table and the fact as well that you have already concrete proof that you have all these skills, um, which a lot of other people that are applying won't have. So to not mention those and not put those forward first is, I think, a mistake. For me, I made sure that every single piece of experience I listed on my application, I related that to law and I said, yes, I've spent, you know, two years doing this. But in that time, I did this, 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 and this. And that is why I'm going to be one of the best applicants 
here in front of you because I have that skill and then I can apply it. I have those relationship building skills to build relationships with your clients and make them want to work with us. And I think forgetting these things would be a mistake. So just really sit down and assess yourself before you fill out that application and be like, what have I actually learned in all of these things and put that on the paper? Fantastic. So that kind of reflection, you know, really, really uh, important. And finally, and very importantly, Olivia, what, uh, what would you share? My first piece of advice would be don't rush. There's no rush. You know, look at your life situation, look what you want to achieve. Think about what's important to you in a career. Reach out to people. I've had messages from people on LinkedIn who want to apply. Um, and I'm always happy to give them as much advice as I can. It, it's definitely, don't be afraid to message people, get a greater insight, because that's going to benefit you in your interviews. Once you have decided that you want to do it, just be really, really excited. Um, you know, fight for it because it's really not going to be easy. Um, I know I came from medicine and I still think it's probably harder. So, you know, you've got to really, really want it. And once you do, be really excited because that grit and determination that you have as a career changer is going to set you apart from others. Like we said, you have to capitalize on your uniqueness and your experience, but also your grit and determination that comes with that because you've already made a massive sacrifice to be here. You know that that's what you want to do. And I think you've just got to grab it. And also remember, law is so broad and there's so many things that you can do in law. I mean, I can't even fathom the career opportunities that are available to me, um, especially during a friendship because of all the experience and time you have to build on that. You might develop and find a new area, but it's good to know that this is what you want now and you're going to get it. That's a really great way to end. And I kind of, I'd kind of summarize as kind of, you know, you, you've got to want it right and it's what you want now and that can change i think it's a really you know it's a very important and real point to make because that is you know that that is what can happen but you've got to want it um because it's not easy it shouldn't be easy best things aren't um so you, you you've got to really want it so listen the three of you a massive thank you so to netty to ross and to olivia a massive thank you on behalf of the reimagine law uh, team thank you very much for sharing so openly and honestly everything you've done um, today, um, there are other podcasts as I said, coming from from CMS. To, so, to our reimagined law listeners, uh, do look out for those. Lots more great stuff to come. But uh, uh, for now, from the reimagined law team, thank you very much. <music>